0: Welcome to our church, family. We hope that you enjoy the message. The other thing that we are celebrating is that we have a team right now that is in Jeremy, Haiti. All right? Uh, So here is a photo of our uh, Jeremy, Haiti team uh, partnering with our mission partners, Haiti Bible Mission. They're down there in Jeremy working on uh, helping with some of the infrastructure of some of the local churches. Uh, And they're actually having worship right now uh, in Jeremy. So let's celebrate them. Be praying for them. Yeah? Um, exciting stuff. Be praying for them. They head back here, I think, next Friday. It's a pretty long stretch that they're down there. They're doing quite a bit of work um, to get things set up over there. Uh, we celebrate that. Last but not least, um, we are getting to celebrate something this morning that, from, from what I understand, may be unprecedented in the life of Grace Bible Church. Um, we are celebrating the fact that for the fir- very first time, Uh, In our church's history, we are sending our very first missionary from amongst us to the foreign mission field. We have a lot of international missionaries that are part of our church family um, that now call this uh, church family home, but this will be the first one that we have ever raised up in the ranks of our leadership and are now sending her out to the foreign mission field. Please welcome to the stage our dear friend, Lauren, who's getting ready to head to Africa. Yep, uh, Lauren Hill has been on our team here for a little bit over five years uh, at GBC. And she has served in a variety of different capacities, most of which was in our children's ministry. And over the last several years, she, those of you that, uh, that have preschoolers, she has been our preschool lead uh, within our children's ministry. And over the last uh, couple of years, God has been dealing with her heart, as has, he has also been dealing with the heart of our pastors and elders, that the Lord may be calling her out. To partner with Overland Mission and join their team out in the remote bush of Africa, and I'm here today to tell you that that is about to happen. Um, A couple months ago, I got to introduce her to you and share this calling that God had on our life. That we, as an elder team, have been walking with her for a couple years. Um, Up until this point, uh, several years ago, she went uh, over there for a couple of weeks just to experience it on what's called an expedition. She linked arms with the team, she went out into the middle of the bush, she spent two weeks living out of a tent, just doing real, raw gospel ministry out in uh, a remote place in Africa. Uh, She came back for about six months and then prepared herself to go over there for a three-month stint, what's called AMT, Advanced Missionary Training. Where they sent her through the ringer on how to do her own farming to live off of the land, how to build her own structures, how to witness uh, witness the gospel in the bush environment, uh, how to do bush medicine, um, just all the stuff. It was like, um, what, what have I been saying? It's called. It's like um, Navy SEAL training. Yeah, like special ops training for missionaries is what it is. It's like the hardcore stuff. During that time, um, the Lord continued to affirm in her heart, "This is what she's supposed to do." The Lord affirmed in the leadership of Overland, uh, they don't invite everybody that does AMT onto their team. They invited her onto their team. In addition to that, they have invited her to take up residence in one of the most remote corners of the world, reaching a people that are so far off the beaten path, it is six hours one direction for her to get to the nearest grocery store out in the bush of Africa. God has affirmed that in the heart of our elders. She's not going over there for two weeks, two months, two years. God has called her to invest her life with the Munilunga tribe out in the remote corners of the world to raise up leaders and share the gospel and train young people and ladies on learning what it's like to live a life that surrendered to Christ Jesus. She'll be making disciples in one of the harshest environments and the world. And so we are excited as a church family to get to send her, our very first missionary, Lauren Hill, into the mission field next week. She's headed out. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Crazy. Now give us the quick play-by-play, like when you pull out of here, I think July 5th, right? And then, and then between here and Moonilunga, what's going to happen? Yeah, so I'll be leaving here on July 5th and then going to South Carolina, where I'll be going to different churches there. Um, And then because of COVID, I haven't seen my parents in about two years. Um, So I'm going to spend a month with my family in North Carolina visiting churches there. Um, And then mid-August will be when I'm heading out to Monolingga. Awesome. It's coming up. I know they're excited for you to get there. Um, we, about two months ago, I brought her before you. She was at the very beginning. She had just got her orders from Overland Mission. She had just got kind of the big picture of what she would need fundraising-wise to be able to get out onto the mission field with them. And we presented that to you. Let me show you those numbers. This is where we started two months ago. This, that's Lauren and Mooney Lunga, by the way. Um, this, is, um, this is where she started. for this Her sustainable, like ongoing monthly partnerships. This is how she puts, it's over $10 a gallon for gas in her vehicle uh, to drive those 12 hours round trip to go get milk and eggs. Um, among her other personal financial needs, it'll be about $4,500 a month is what they estimate right now with the cost of everything. In Africa, it's a very, that's an, ext- I know that sounds like a lot of money in our terms, but that is an ex- extremely modest amount of money to survive in the middle of nowhere. All right. Um, so that'll be her monthly ongoing support. Those of you that are partnering with her on a monthly basis, whether large or small, that's something that'll keep going. This big number on the bottom is just a one-time thing. This is to get her out there. Um, she's going to be living in a tent for quite a while uh, with the other missionary teams, but they'll be working on building a permanent mission base with permanent structures, obviously that are safer to live in for them, and that's going to cost you know, quite a bit of money for her to build that. They're working on getting an electricity drug out there. They still no electricity, no internet, nothing like that out there. Um, they're, they're sleeping under the stars every night right now um, to reach these unreached people. Um, and so, and it's also going to be uh, an expense to get her a vehicle that is suitable for that kind of environment. You know, I'm talking about like all these all these jacked up redneck trucks of these boys driving around up and down Highway 27 that never actually go off road. Like, she's going to need one, like just to do what she's got to do out there. Um, it's it's miles to travel to get to reach some of these some of these uh, groups of people within the Munilunga tribe within the villages. And it's, I mean, it's harsh terrain. She's got to have a lifted vehicle with mud tires and a snorkel and like all the stuff that we put on for fun, she actually needs. Um, and so that's kind of where those one-time expenses, she's going to get a sound system too, so she can run a generator and be able to talk to all the kids. There's how many kids out there in the villages? You gave us a crazy number. It's like over a thousand that's over, out there. Over so. a thousand kids, like right there in her area that she's going to be ministering to. And loving on and um, so anyway it's just it's expensive to get started but this is kind of the numbers we started with now let me fast forward two months to this morning this is what's left all right boom big change that's good huh so yeah so what's left to raise is eleven hundred dollars or so in, in monthly like partnership gifts that you're gonna give a little bit a month or whatever And then nine thousand left on the one-time gifts. Um, Now, what's interesting about this? This is always something I, you know, am concerned about when it comes to fundraising and things like that. Lauren, like, how much of that your your partnerships are like big gifts, and how much are like just small, modest gifts? Uh, I have three big gift people, and the rest are people between ten dollars to fifty dollars a month. So, the the in the large majority of your monthly income is folks giving ten bucks a month. You know, just a small incremental sacrifice. I know for some that was easy, and for some that may be a sacrifice. But just to give you an idea of like how that compiles when we're working together to send her out, you, you may not be able to give anything else. This isn't a call for everybody to give something. This isn't one of those things. Um, this is a call for those of you that feel led by God to partner with Lauren to give something because this needs to be sustainable for her. We don't want to just throw money at something while we're excited about it. And then she's going to be out in the middle of nowhere for the next two years. She ain't going to be able to call you up, you know, and pat you on the back so you send your 10 bucks. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've got to be committed to her. Um, and so, like, this is, man, if it's 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 150 bucks a month or whatever, and you feel led to do so, do so and commit to that. Um, so she, I, don't, I don't want our missionaries worrying about money when they're out in the bush. There's enough to worry about out there, I'd say, like not getting eaten by a viper like Paul did last week. Lions, elephants, like all the stuff. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to worry about that stuff. So if you feel called to give, either give one time or commit to partnering, even if it's on a small level. But today we get to send her out. Um, and as a part of what was, what was established in the book of Acts for us is that the elders and the body gathered around Paul and Barnabas before they sent them out on the very first ever Christian missionary journey. And so we're going to do the same thing today with Lauren, our very first Christian missionary. So Lauren, you, you pop down here on the floor. I'm going to ask our elders to come up here and gather around you as you go down there. Also when ask, we have quite a few international missionaries that are part of our church family, either currently international or formerly international missionaries, I would ask if you are one of those, would you also come and gather around her to lay hands on her? All right? As they gather around, um, our missionaries here, our elders, some of our elders, um, let's, uh, if they're going to lay hands on her and you guys just stretch out a hand towards her, just kind of remotely laying hands, let's, let's let's pray over her and send her out as a church family. Um, don't listen to me pray. You pray. I'm going to pray over her. You pray over her too. And Father, we thank you for Lauren. I thank you that you have gifted her to us for a season, that we got to be a part of her growing and hearing the voice of God in her life. And God, that we get to be the ones to send her out to the glory of God. And I pray, Lord, that the spirit of the living God that lives within inside of her, the power of Jesus that dwells richly within her, Lord, that you would that you would raise up many disciples in the Munilunga tribe, that you would use her as catalyst to raise up leaders and pastors and missionaries and politicians and teachers and doctors that are living on mission in Africa, that were raised there indigenously. And Father, I know that you're going to use her life to shape many. Lord, I know that you are planting her there for a purpose, and we have to entrust her to you, knowing that you're the only one who knows what's up, what's going on. And we ask that you would do something extraordinary through her and the Overland team, Lord, meet all of her needs, take care of everything that she needs physically, her health, finances, every step of the way, Lord, and set her free, loose her for the sake of the kingdom of God in Munilunga. Give her a voice, Lord, that resonates in the hearts of those tribespeople that they might hear and see King Jesus through Lorne. Father, glorify yourself in her. We thank you that we get to enjoy celebrating this moment with her. And Lord, we worship you because of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Please join me in celebrating. Lauren, <clears throat> you'll, uh, you'll, you'll get an opportunity to connect with her on your way out. If you do want to give and you haven't yet or you've been thinking, oh, yeah, we need to give to Lauren or whatever, and you wanted to do that, she'll be at the table on the way out, answer any questions you have. We have a team there to help. Um, there's digital ways to do it. There's, like, you know, the old school ways to do it. You can obviously give through cash checks, whatever, but, like, do that outside with Lauren. Take a minute to encourage her. Get on her prayer list um, so you can be praying for her. Get updates, all that good stuff. And, um, but we're excited about that. Lauren, don't go too far. Where'd you go? I'm going to need you to come back up here in just a few minutes. As we've been studying through the book of Acts, uh, we, what we're looking at really is like the call of God on the lives of everybody that is a follower of Jesus to see this life that they've been given and the job that they have. And the relationships that they have and the resources that they have and the education that they have, these are just all vehicles that the Lord has given us for the sake of furthering his kingdom mission in the everyday ordinary stuff of life. And like Acts has like reminded us that it's just God doing extraordinary things through regular old cats like you and me. Extraordinary things through ordinary people. There are a few that get called out to do some really unique things like Lauren. That end up somewhere in the remote corners of the world, and God does like just this miraculous stuff through certain people, and that's cool, but like just know that the calling on Lauren's life is not some exceptional, extraordinary call that God just places on a few people. It's actually the ordinary call that's placed on all of us, every one of us. The ordinary, everyday call of a surrendered Christian who's given their life to Christ. Listen, Grace Baba, like. I'm afraid that you've heard us bang the drum so many times that you've started to tune it out. So just just hear me tell you. For those that are Christians, that have given their lives to Jesus, Jesus didn't save you for just you. He saved you for the people around you. Man, he wants to use your life. You don't have to know what to do. You don't have to have it all planned out. You don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't have to have any ministerial experience. Like your job, the work of discipleship, the work of you growing in your relationship with Christ, is really, it's really the journey of you learning how to yield. It's, it's the journey of us learning how to submit all the stuff of life to the leadership and the lordship of Jesus. That's, that is growing in your faith. And as you learn to yield those things and trust him with those things, then God will work in and through that stuff. Some of you may end up in books or magazines or halfway across the world. Some of you will go unnoticed for your entire life. But living a yielded life, God will do something in and through you and longs to and is committed to, as a matter of fact. More committed than you or I could ever be. All we do is say yes, and we from our first prayer in the morning to our last prayer at night, just inviting the the Lord of the universe to use our lives for His glory. Oh, He will. You want to see God answer your prayers? Invite Him to use your life for His glory. He'll do it for sure. Guaranteed. He wants to. He longs to. We saw that through the book of Acts, and as we land in the end of this discussion, we're toward the end of Acts chapter 28. And so the Apostle Paul, if you remember last week, he was he had got shipwrecked on an island. They were building a fire, and a viper jumped out and bit him, and we kind of looked at how that kind of parallels to God's declaration over his church, even for the 21st century. And So as we kind of wrap this all up, I want you to look at where the book of Acts ends, and then we're going to take a step back and have maybe one of the most practical conversations we've had throughout the whole book of Acts. And so this is what happens. Paul and his boys, all these prisoners that got shipwrecked, Paul was in chains, in prison. They were carting him back to Rome to go on trial before Caesar. Who knows how that's going to shake up? They get shipwrecked on Malta. They spend a couple of months there. When they finally load up all the prisoners on a new ship and start headed back to Rome, after Paul faces judgment in front of Caesar, here's what we get in Acts 28, verse 16. It says, when we came to Rome, Paul This was his judgment. He was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier who guarded him. He was on house arrest. He got to go home, live at his house, but he had soldiers one at a time guarding him around the clock 24-7 for the two straight years that he was there. So as he often did, his custom was he would minister to Jews first, to Jewish leadership first, and then he would start ministering to Gentiles. So now that he's chained up at his house with a guard, Watching him breathing down his neck all the time. What's he supposed to do? Well, he just starts inviting him over to his house. Instead of going to the synagogue, come over to my crib. And so he does. He invites him over. He has a gospel conversation with Jewish leaders. And here's what it says in verse 24. Check this out. Some were convinced by what he said. Some believed, but others disbelieved. All right, here, here you go. Here's gospel mission one on one. Some are going to believe it and some won't. But it's not your responsibility to convince people to believe in Jesus as Lord and King. You won't be able to do that on your best day. All right, Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Never once in the scriptures are we told to be the agents that change people's lives and get them to trust Jesus as Lord. You can't pull that off. We don't have that kind of power. I don't, you don't. That's something that only the Holy Spirit is the only one that can flip the light on in people's hearts. Like, he is the change agent. The Holy Spirit is the one that changes lives. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. He's the one that gets the job done. Our job that resonates throughout Scripture is just to keep scattering seed. Throw it on rocky ground, on fertile soil, on thorny ground. Just, just keep every, every opportunity you get, just making gospel deposits as you go. Just speaking the truth of Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. Everywhere you live, work, and play, and just leave the rest up to the Lord. Like, that's our job, seed scatterers. And the Apostle Paul tried again with this particular group. Some believe, some didn't believe, as will be the case with you as well. And then he goes on to quote the prophet Isaiah, and though he was talking of the Jewish leaders, and so is Isaiah, I would say that this runs a close parallel to the world you and I live in, too. Go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand And you will indeed see but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed. Now, I'm not so sure that was just about the Jewish leaders of the day. That sounds a lot like the world I live in, too. sounds a lot like church people. who sniff around the things of God, some of us for our whole lives, but never actually collide with him. And Isaiah goes on to say, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Man, it takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the work of God to flip on the light switch of our hearts. Man, there was actually a young man that came up to me last service. This wasn't even an evangelistic message where I was, you know, calling people into repentance to come to know Jesus as Lord. But a young man comes up to me last service. It must have been motivated by this passage right here. I don't know. And I didn't say any more in the last service than I just did to you about that, and I moved on. But, like, man, the Holy Spirit so gripped his heart, he comes up to me after service and says, man, I've grown up in church my whole life and just kind of been going through the motions, but I just realized this morning through the Word of God that I didn't know Jesus. And I didn't, like, do the whole big song and dance, you know what I'm saying? That's the Holy Spirit just grabbing a dude's heart. And Etienne got to lead him to Christ in one of the classrooms. The guy you saw on TV, Etienne, got to lead him to Christ in one of the classrooms. Dude has grown up in church his whole life. Isn't that awesome? We need to have Etienne. Hey, Etienne needs to call that guy, and we need to dunk that joker after 1130. We got the baptismal waters out there, you know what I'm saying? Somebody see if we can get a hold of that cat. I should have thought about that. And we can give him a quick baptism class between now and then. I didn't even think about that. Dang it, man. Oh, just... right, we'll see what happens. Lord, hey, hey, the Lord snatched him out of nothing, so we'll see what's going to happen. Paul goes on to say, Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation, this salvation of God, has been sent to the Gentiles, and they're going to listen. Thank God, because that's you and me. I'm so glad the Lord has given many of you ears to hear the good news of the gospel as a Gentile, and now give your life to the Lord. And this is what the Apostle Paul did. It says, He lived there for two whole years at his own expense, and he welcomed all who came to him, and he's on house arrest. He welcomed all who would come to him and everybody who would come to him. He would just proclaim the kingdom of God and teach about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And this is how the book of Acts ends. Paul's sitting on house arrest, like seems kind of anticlimactic, like, come on, like where's the like the big end, you know, the big finish, the one we get to celebrate. No, this dude's chained up to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week for two whole years of his life. And this is how this incredible movement of God ends up sitting on house arrest, like, what? I think this opens up a conversation for us to have a like, really practical, down and dirty, just what it looks like in the different seasons of our life, what, what kingdom mission and disciple-making could look like no matter where we fall on the spectrum. Matter of fact, I thought since Lauren's here and this is kind of her sending weekend, Lauren, why don't you come up here and sit in this seat right here for the sake Of this discussion. Lauren is our zealous type. She's heard the voice of God. She's moving towards the mission field. She's got the freedom to do so, the resources to do so, the support to do so, and there she is. Now, we just read about the Apostle Paul. Brother sitting on house arrest, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. Like, he, I mean, what kind of gospel mission can a guy like that do? You know what I'm saying? So, I'm gonna need somebody to sit in this seat that's gonna kind of be our resident Apostle Paul, you know. our local incarcerated type, Kelly Payne, you kind of fit the bill. Why don't you come sit here? All right. Why don't you be my apostle Paul, sitting in prison, old man? All right. As Kelly makes his way up here, uh, I'm gonna need a couple more folks to come fill this seat. How about my dog, Dr. Carl Bubba White, come sit in this seat right here? Uh, you, sir, why don't you come join me in this seat right here? Yeah, you. Don't look. Come on, big boy. You can do it. Let's give these folks a round of applause. They didn't know. Look, I promise y'all don't have to do anything, just sit there. Y'all sit there really well, so just, just sit there. What's up, man? Much, man? Hey, I didn't scare you, did I? No, you didn't. Man. You good? I'm good? My man, you good? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I would bet, I'm going to just take a wild stab that the fact that you're sitting in here this morning, um, some of you may be at this place. You may be where Lauren's at. You may be hearing the call of God so clearly on your life. And you, you, like Overland Mission does, any road, any load, any time, you're just ready to roll. Like, you have all the zeal and all the want to and all the willingness in the world. There's nothing stopping you, nothing holding you back. You're going, no matter what. But here on the other end of the spectrum, we've got a guy that we just read about, the Apostle Paul, man, that is literally sitting on house arrest in his house, chained to a Roman guard, who is, I told you, this is, this is not an extraordinary call for some. It's an ordinary call for all of us. And we've got... Paul's sitting here in prison like, what's he gonna do? You know what I'm saying? I would bet that just by virtue of the nature of who's sitting in this room right now, I would bet that your life, those of you that are willing to honor God and trust God with using your life for the sake of his kingdom, that you probably fall somewhere between Lauren and Kelly. You're somewhere in here. You're somewhere between Lauren and the apostle Paul on your journey. Maybe you're not tied up in prison. Maybe you're not like jumping on a airplane to go to Africa, but like you're somewhere here in this thing called life. So I wanted to give you just a few categories. You may see yourself in a few of them. You may see yourself in one specific, but just kind of as we reflect over the book of Acts and what we've been learning about being a people that are committed to the mission of God, I want to give you just some practical advice, encouragement, right out of the Word of God, that might encourage you with where you're at in this particular season, and I'll share a couple of stories along the way to hopefully encourage you in the journey. Now, what's interesting about this particular seat where the Apostle Paul sits, I told the same joke last service about, oh, I need somebody that's, you know, kind of the incarcerated-looking type. You know what I'm saying? And uh, not anymore. Well, yeah, I know he says not anymore. Oh, well, you'll love this, okay? And so, like, you know, so I'm joking. So I grab one of my, I grab a guy that I know that's a correctional officer. You know, looks real tough looking dude or whatever. And, and the guy bypasses him that actually is on house arrest. And he's like, I'll do it. I'm like, cool, do it. So he comes up here and he shows us his anklet and everything, bro. <laughs> I'm like, this is perfect. I didn't even know I was going to have like the perfect analogy sitting here in the chair. Anyway, I talked to the guy after his service. So he's got out of prison. He's got 48 days left on parole. 48 days. How cool is that, man? As I didn't know that until after the service, so just in case he's watching online, let's celebrate with that guy. 48 days left. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen around here, people. <laughs> Always interesting. So here's some practical biblical wisdom for the missionally-minded saint. You may not be all the way in the Apostle Paul's category. You may not be all the way in Lauren's category, but I bet your life falls somewhere in here. So let's just talk about these different categories. Um, those of you that are watching, on home, watching at home, I bet you, you might even fall in some of these categories as well. Here's, here's the Apostle Paul, house arrest. Uh, this is the guy, this is the person that sold out, sold out to Jesus, but shut in. They want to live on mission. They want to go and make disciples, but the reality of it is is they're going to have to figure out how to stay and make disciples because their resources, their relationships, their opportunities are so limited. They're sold out but shut in. You may be sitting in a prison cell watching this on uh, God Behind Bars. Uh, you may be watching this from a hospital bed right now. You may be watching this from your own house and maybe you're on house arrest or maybe you're, you're ill or it's, it's too dangerous right now you don't have the resources to get out of your home and you're just kind of stuck or whatever, like you're sold out but you're shut in. That's what the Apostle Paul was right here. Sold out but shut in, ready to go. Here's some practical biblical wisdom for you that we pick up from the book of Acts that I wanna encourage you with. Three things if you're in this group. Take notes if you're a note taker. You're gonna want this. You might wanna share this with some of your friends if they're in this category, all right? Thing number one, if you're sold out but shut in, don't underestimate the simple truth that the ministry of the pen has changed the world. Oh, and you got so many more resources than that now. We got email, we got FaceTime, we got social media. But yeah, the ministry of the pen has and can change the world. One of the things that Acts didn't mention to us because he hadn't done it yet was as the apostle Paul was on house arrest, ministering to people as they were coming into his home, he also, in the meantime, wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Which, by the way, we call them books. To him, they were just letters. If we dug Paul up out of the grave and he found out that letters he had written to encourage other believers ended up in what we call the Bible, he would probably be beside himself. He didn't write books for the Bible. He wrote letters to people that he had met to encourage them in their walk with Christ. He wrote to the Ephesians, to the Philippian Christians, to the Colossian Christians, to a guy named Philemon, like encouraging them to continue to walk faithfully in their relationship with the Lord, reminding them of things that God had done when they were together, just to champion them. The ministry of the pen changed the world. Now, 2,000 years later, because he was faithful to being missionally minded, even though he was sold out and shut in, here we are 2,000 years later, still reading about what God did through somebody that was faithful with a pen, Just a pen. Who knows what God can do? Send send cards, send letters, send messages, emails, make phone calls. If you're sold out but shut in, you have a great opportunity in front of you to make disciples that may resonate for thousands of years to come. Trust in the the Holy Spirit does that kind of stuff. All you got to do is yield. Lord, you can use my situation and my stuff for your glory. That's the first thing. The second thing is, think about like this. Your limited interactions... Because you're shut in, your limited interactions with other people may be God's way of focusing your efforts. Some of these other categories we're going to be talking about are surrounded with so much stuff and people and responsibilities that, like, it's hard to know exactly where to start and what to do, but if you are shut in, you know exactly where to start. Right where you at. You can't go nowhere. What if, what if God? intentionally limited your interactions because he wanted to focus your efforts. You see what the apostle Paul did? Let it be a model to you that he just started inviting people over the house or anyone that came into his house, he took opportunities for gospel deposits into their life, you know what I'm saying? Just opportunities. It, it, here, when he writes to the Philippians, we get to hear more about what happened as a result of him doing what he did in Acts chapter 28. This is what happened. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14, he says, Hey, I want you to know, brothers, that what happened to me, being chained up and all, it really actually served to advance the gospel. So that it has been become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ Jesus. You know why the whole imperial guard came to have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because they were all on 12-hour shifts watching over Paul, who was really the captive. He was the one with chains around his ankle, but they're the ones that couldn't go anywhere for 12 hours, so they got to hear about Jesus and his power and his miraculous work and his love for them. So much so that the whole imperial guard got to hear about it. You know why? Because those guys that signed up for the first shift said, I ain't doing that again, send somebody else. Before you know it, the whole imperial guard heard the gospel. Everybody got a turn, because God had limited his interactions so that he could focus his efforts. Each one reached one, just ministering to who was right in front of his face, and it comes alive there. Also, let, let's not forget, to those of you that are sold out and shut in, this goes for everybody. Never underestimate the power of the ministry of prayer. You and me don't have the power anyway. This microphone and this stage doesn't give me the power to change people's lives. The Holy Spirit has to do that. So we need to pray. We need to bring names before the Lord, and we need to ask God to do the miracle work in people's life that only he can do. As a matter of fact, if you're sold out and shut in, or maybe you're just part of our church family, and you want to join our prayer team, here's a way you can do it. Just text the word. For those of you smartphone users, if you don't have a smartphone, call the office, we'll put you on the list. Text the word PRAYER. P R A Y E R to a six three four five six one two six two. Never underestimate the ministry of prayer. If you're sold out and shut in, what happens is we get prayer requests around here all the time, written, phone calls, whatever. We put them on our church prayer list. We send those prayer requests out to this team right here. These are our prayer warriors. Never underestimate the ministry and the power of prayer. Sold out, but shut in. Would you please give my man Kelly a round of applause for being our guinea pig? You can go down now, sir. Here's another category. Maybe you're not shut in, but because of a lot of other things in your life, man, your heart is in, but your hands are tied. Like you just got so much going on in your life that you're wondering like, gosh, man, like I I, I know that the Lord wants to use my life. I wanna be obedient to that, but I I just, man, I just don't know if I got time and I don't know where to fit it in and how am I supposed to go about doing it? Man, your, your heart is in, but your hands are tied. Man, here's some practical biblical wisdom that comes right out of the Word of God as we've studied together. Um, here's thing number one. I bet a lot of you fall in this category. Here's thing number one. If you're in this category, start where you are with who you're with. Start where you are with who you're with. I know a guy, I ain't mentioning any names. I know a guy who's a coach, a full-time teacher, a full-time coach. His wife is a full-time financial professional for one of the hospitals. They've got three children that are all very active. They got to be at baseball, at football, at soccer, at tennis, at cheerleading, at swimming, at friend's house, at sleepovers, at cookouts. Like, they're just busy people all the time. I bet some of y'all fall into that category. But yet, this particular couple that I'm talking about, not mentioning any names. Has thought, you know what? Like, I know the Lord wants to use us and our family, and we have a mission field in front of us as coaches and as, as a family that has all these relationships with, with our, 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 our football family. <clears throat> and I'm like, man, Lord, use us. You know, use us how you want to use us. And God has been using that particular family in some really unique ways in order to just live on mission right where they're at. Nothing crazy, just intentional gospel presence in the lives of the people that God's entrusted to them. Man, when you live a life that busy, y'all know what it's like, man. Sometimes you get home on Saturday night and you're like, "We can't get up and go to church on Sunday morning." Like, man, I'm just we're exhausted, man. We just going to have to stay home and watch it on the TV. You know what this particular family has done to live on mission even when they were watching church on TV, they decided to cook breakfast pull it up on their TV, but invite the other coaches on the coaching staff to come over and hear the Word of God in a safe environment where those other coaches would feel comfortable. Anytime a new coach comes onto that coaching staff, they get invited to come to church with them. Many have come. Some of them have stayed. Not all of them have. But, like, just continue to live on mission, making gospel deposits. You know, I, I talked to a dad this week who his son is coming of age, and he has to have the talk with him. And his dad has been hearing the word of God just kind of saturating his heart and his life. And he's like, man, I know I need to have the talk with my son. Like, it's definitely time. It can't wait any longer, he says. But one of my biggest concerns is I want to make sure that as I'm talking to him about the birds and the bees that I'm rooting it in, like, biblical and gospel principles. Man, I need your help doing that. He says, I don't want our son to just know what we believe. He says, I want him to know why we believe these things about his sexuality and sex in general and his life. And, like, it's gonna be a hard conversation, but I want to make sure... And this is a dad living on mission with his own kids. Super busy all the time doing all the stuff, but yet making disciples while they're going. There's a family, we have a lot of large families in our church. Even one of the families has six kids in our church. And if you can imagine how busy their house, I mean, brushing teeth is busy for them. You know what I'm saying? It's off the charts, nuts. All right? They're just so busy in their house. It's like, man, how does a family of eight with six young kids from teenagers to two-year-olds live on mission intentionally when we just have so many things going on just to try to survive in our lives. Here's what mom and dad did. Mom and dad decided, man, we, we don't have the space in our calendar or the babysitting power to get in a discipleship or a DNA group at this season in our lives. So here's what we're gonna do. As mom and dad, they started a DNA discipleship group with their two teenage kids. Imagine that, parents discipling their kids. Man, these, these are people that are, man, their heart's in, but their hands are tied so They're saying, God, what can you use right now in my life to make disciples? And they are getting creative, and the Lord is speaking through them. This, this reminds me of what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 28 when he says, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Like, The word that he uses when he says, go and make disciples, the word in their language, for those of you English majors out there, are probably going to get this wrong, but just go with me because most people don't understand anyway, is a present tense participle. How many of y'all know what that is, you know? See, I'm good, you know, y'all don't even know. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, he used in their language a present tense participle of the word go, which means, go doesn't mean when Jesus said it. He didn't mean when you get a chance to go. Or when it works out for you to go, the present tense participle says it speaks like this: while you are going, present tense. While you are going, you're gonna be going because you got to go to practice, you got to go to the cookouts, you got to go to the birthday parties, you got to go to PTA meetings. So while you are going, make disciples. Make disciples. Be praying, inviting God to use your life to make. Microscopic gospel deposits all around you all the time. Use my life, Lord, even in all of this stuff that you might glorify yourself and cause people to grow in their relationship with you. Present tense participle. While you are going, to those of you whose hearts are in and your hands are tied while you are going. And remember, by the way, the second thing. So first thing is start where you are with who you're with. The second thing is, remember you're not busy alone, are you? Y'all busy with all kind of people. I mean, everybody around y'all is busy because they got kids doing their thing too. You're not busy alone. And I would bet that in your work environment, in your school environment, in your sports environment, I bet there's other families and other people that also have a heart to see their lost friends come to know the Lord, also have a heart to see people grow in their relationship with Christ. Maybe it's as simple as a conversation saying, hey man, we're busy coaching t-ball together, So, man, what if we just prayed about, Lord, how could you use this to really impact these children and families for your kingdom? And see what the Lord has to say. See what he does. Would y'all please give my man, Dr. Carl, Coach Bubba White, a round of applause. Remind me your name one more time. Mitch. My man, Mitch. Welcome Mitch to the stage. (laughs) Let me tell you, Mitch represents... He was an exact example, but that wasn't intentional. Uh, Mitch represents those of us that are in this room that fall in the category of, I'm ready to go, I just need a hand. Maybe you have a little bit more time in your schedule. Maybe you're recently retired. Maybe you just moved here, you know, and you don't, need, you don't have the busyness yet because you don't know all the people. You haven't signed up for all the things yet, but you're ready to go. You just need a hand, man. You just want to partner with them. Here's We're reminded in the book of Acts, for those of you that are in the, that category, Acts chapter 2, if you'll remember, like, It says weekly that those who were believers, weekly they were gathering together in the temple, Acts chapter 2, so they were going to big church together once a week, and then they were gathering together in homes, breaking bread and giving thanks to the Lord together. And as a result of that, it says that people were being added to their number daily. In other words, people who weren't followers of Jesus became followers of Jesus because they were getting invited to just go along to big church and invited over to dinner to break bread, and the people that were Christians there were given thanks to God for the meal that they had, and it started to get a hold of their heart. It created space for them to have gospel conversations. Before you know it, they were being added to their number daily. So if you're ready to go, you just need a hand. All right, here's thing number one for you that we learn from the people of the book of Acts. Put yourself in environments where mission is already happening. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you don't know anybody yet. Maybe you don't know what to do yet. So go to the places and get in the gatherings where mission is already happening. Be at church on Sunday. Be at church on Wednesday night. Volunteer for one of the uh, ministries on the campus. Get involved with Christian coaches and be a volunteer coach. Be a team mom. Help cook the meals. Whatever it is, like get involved around the people and do the things where mission is already happening. And the second thing is, Start where you are with who and what you have. Let, let's not operate in mission under this like, illusion of perfection. Like, all right, well, once I get all these ducks in a row, then I'll you know, invite God to use my life. No, start where you are with who and what you have. These people that we see in the book of Acts, like, they were already going to church, so they just started inviting people with them. And they were already eating dinner every night, so they just started inviting people over. They didn't know him yet, but they just invited him over. They started seeking out other people that were like-minded. They probably met him and sat by him at church. They were on their way out. They were, you know, getting their hand sanitizer together and realized, oh, we live in the same part of town. You know, y'all come over for dinner sometime. You know, let's just see and let's start praying about like, man, Lord, how do you want to use us to reach our neighborhood? You need a team. Pastor Cam and I got to meet with a young lady this week that is doing just that. There's a young lady in our church. She's busy as this guy over here. Wife, uh, she, she married, got a husband and children, and they're all got things going on or whatever. But like she grew up in, in the Washington Heights community. And she has just deeply rooted relationships in the Washington Heights community. And so she just has this, this deepening conviction that God is moving her heart and her family's heart towards making the Washington Heights community like their mission field to reach people for the glory of God. You may feel the same way about the neighborhood you grew up in. But like because of those deep-seated relationships, like she feels like, man, this is where God wants to use us to reach these folks. But they're ready to go. They just need a hand. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't do this kind of stuff alone. That's, that's a big vision kind of thing to reach a whole community uh, in, in our, in, in our uh, county. And so this is what she's done. Man, they've got really creative. I said, okay, if we're going to reach them, we know that part of reaching this community in an effective way, means that we're going to need some resources to help meet some needs within this community so that in meeting physical needs, we can meet spiritual needs, just like Jesus did. That was his strategy, by the way. They didn't come up with that on their own. And they decided, you know, for us to be able to do that effectively, we need a, an avenue to channel resources. So this young woman gathered together other like-minded people around her that share the same burden for that community, and they started their own nonprofit. You want to, people just this is why I don't tell y'all what to do, because I have no idea what the Lord's going to tell y'all to do. I don't want to tie your hands. They started a nonprofit organization so that they have a vehicle that just helps channel resources to meet some of the greatest physical needs, and in doing so, they're going to be approaching this with gospel intentionality, and I'm hoping many of us that feel the same burden for the Washington Heights community are going to be a partner with them and get, get on board to do the same thing. This is how it happens. Ready to go, just need a hand. Put yourself in environments where missions already happen. Start where you are with who and what you already have. And just one foot in front of the other. Don't let the image of perfection stop you. The biggest enemy to progress is perfection. So you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and trusting God for the next steps just like this young lady is doing. Let's see what God is going to do. Thank you, my man, Mitch. Celebrate this dude. Last but not least, super Christian, so zealous, can't be stopped, won't stop, can't stop. Most of us can't even relate to that kind of zeal and this kind of passion. It's cool that this is your sending weekend. What's cool is that when we planned preaching the book of Acts, we did not know. See, God orchestrated this whole thing that we would end the book of Acts on the day that we commissioned you and sent you out. We didn't plan that. You know what I'm saying? That's the Holy Spirit at work. That's pretty cool. Many of us don't fall in the category of super zealous, super Christian. Send me wherever you want in the world, God. I'll do whatever. There's nothing holding me back. But some of you can relate to that. And there are some of us in this church family that really sit where Lauren sits. Some of you that may be working career jobs right now. It's not just for young people. Man, there's whole families joining you on the mission field, aren't there? Whole families with children already, like people leaving the professional corporate environment, headed out into the middle of the bush. You know, like I don't know who you are, but I know that there are people in here that the conviction of God has been settling over your heart as we've been having this conversation about Lauren and through the book of Acts, and you're you're just gaining a certain zeal. About what's coming next and what to do, and like some of y'all, even some of the single folks. I know we have some of our young singles that are starting to move towards international missions, and so like this last category that I'm going to talk to. This is the "Here am I, send me" group. They got their hand up. Jesus, I, Overland Overland Missions mission statement: Any road, any load, any time. That's where you're at. Some of y'all are there right now this morning. Here's just practical biblical wisdom that we've picked up through. The book of Acts that I want to encourage you with. Um, Thing number one, this is very important, man. Uh, Thing number one, remember there's no missional freelancing, all right? There's no freelance or free agent Christians out there. All right, so here's what you need to do. Thing number one, see where God is moving and jump in there. Sometimes when you get zeal, like Lauren's done this the right way, so she's a great example of what to do. Uh, But but let me just warn you, we have seen a lot of what not to do. One of the things not to do, when you feel the zeal and you hear the voice of God and you're ready to go, that you just kind of go. And just start doing a thing and start saying, God, will you bless the thing that I'm doing? Never did you take the moment to realize God's saying, I am doing a thing. I've set you apart for a thing. I want you to jump on board with what I'm doing. Don't ask me to do what you're doing. To oh zealous Christian, jump on, see where God is moving and jump in there. That's a good place to start. The second thing that we've seen throughout this, we saw this in Paul and Barnabas' life, when they were the first ever sent missionaries, first Christian missionaries ever. Here's what we learned from that. To you, O oh, zealous Christians, be sent, don't just leave. Be sent, don't just leave. Sometimes we get so zealous and we get on our own timelines and we try to run out ahead of God because we feel like he's shown us what to do before he equipped you to do the thing yet. You saw what Lauren has? She has the backing of an entire church family that are praying for her and supporting her. She has elders that have been walking with her for the last two years of her life. She has an Overland Mission organization that we trust, very deeply trust, that has been walking with her over the last couple of years of her life. As she has felt the confirmation of the Lord in her heart about where to go next, she has the affirmation not only of her church family, but the af- affirmation of the Overland Mission family saying, yes, yes, and yes, this is God's best for you. So she can move forward with confidence in this zeal. She knows that she's walking right in the middle of God's will for her life. She's not just some freelance Christian that got excited about Jesus, tried to, and just abandoned everything for the sake of the gospel, and let's just see what happens. The Spirit will show me the way. Oh, he will. And hear the voice of God right now. What he's showing you first is be sent. Don't just leave. The first missionaries ever and every missionary since then has been sent. All the effective ones were sent by a body of believers with the collective agreement of elders and leadership over them. last but not least, this is important too, this goes along with all that. For you, O zealous Christian, don't journey alone. We see that the mission of the gospel is always carried out in groups by people. Don't don't journey alone. I was told by a leader in my life one time, he said, Dustin, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, go with a team. Don't journey alone. But the whole, almost in its entirety, the whole word of God, almost in its entirety, was written to groups of people Meant to be heard in groups and carried out by groups. We oftentimes read it as if like, well, this is what God says, so I need to figure out how to put it into play. That wasn't the intent behind the scriptures. The intent was that we would be gathered together. We would hear the word of God declared. We would hear the voice of God and the movement of God saying, man, this is where we go, and then we carry it out together. We were meant to live, this is why we say it all the time, in community and on mission. There's no freelance Christianity. Would y'all please give a round of applause to Lauren? Here's the bottom line. Ever since Jesus told us in Acts 1-8, you will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And he declared that over everybody that would ever choose Jesus as Lord, that we would be his witnesses empowered by the Holy Spirit, don't underestimate that power. Don't feel for a second that you are alone in trying to figure out how to walk in obedience in this. Remember I told you, your job is to learn to yield, to learn to say yes, to learn to surrender, to learn to submit all the stuff of life to the leadership of Jesus, and he will use that for his glory and his kingdom. And by the way, like even as zealous as Lauren is at this point in her life. And wherever you may fall on this spectrum, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit of the living God is immeasurably more committed, immeasurably more committed to reaching people for the sake of the gospel than you or I could ever be. You saying, Lord, you can use my life The good, the bad, and the ugly is just you stepping into the batter's box. He'll do the rest from there. You keep trusting him. You keep surrendering from your first prayer to your last. Trusting him with every vacation you take, every job that you take, for him to use your life and your family's life for the sake of the gospel. And I want to leave you with these words. This is a fairly new song that's hit Christian radio waves over this past year. It's written by Casting Crowns, and it is like mad convicting. I'll just share a few lyrics with you as you wrestle through this. The song's called Start Right Here, and it says this, speaking of the American church, we want our coffee in the lobby. We watch our worship on a screen. We've got a rock star preacher who won't wake us from our dreams. We want our blessings in our pockets. We keep our missions overseas. But for the hurting in our cities, would we even cross the street? But we want to see the heart set free and the tyrants kneel, the walls fall down and our land be healed. But church, if we want to see change in the world out there, it's got to start right here. It's got to start right now. Let's pray together. Father, we are yours, and we trust that the empowering Holy Spirit that you've deposited into us is going to use our lives for your glory. But, Father, we struggle with surrender. So, Father, just as a declaration of our body, Lord, we surrender to you this morning. Use us. Glorify yourself in us. All the stuff of our lives is yours in Jesus' name.